I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. This Transgender Awareness Week comes at a particularly fraught time for the trans community. Advocates for transgender rights are focused on ways to support young people who are transgender. One way, children's literature. Until a few years ago, there were scarce, if any, books about transgender boys or trans children of color. Stories with trans characters did exist, but were often told from a cisgendered person's point of view. But now, both trans authors and those with close ties to the community are reclaiming the genre, pushing for greater representation and acceptance. They're centering trans kids as the main characters, pinning positive representations of trans people's experiences. Joining me now, Kyle Lukoff, Stonewall-winning author of When Aiden Became a Brother and 2021 National Book Award finalist for the novel Too Bright to See. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks, Callie. It's nice to be here. So glad to have you. Vanessa Ford, co-author of Calvin, a children's book centered around a transgender boy inspired in part by her own child. Vanessa is also a nationally known transgender youth advocate. Hi, Vanessa. Hello. So great to be here, Callie. Thank you. I'm glad to have you. And Katie Kanya, head of teen services at Robbins Library in Arlington, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Hi. Uh, glad to be here. By the way, my uh, pronouns are they, them. Yes. I'm starting with you, Katie, because I want to talk to you about the progression or the development of books that our center transgender children in literature. Like I just went back and did like a kind of quick survey of a, I saw a list of 17 books and I went back to see when they were published. And the oldest one I saw was 2008. It's called 10,000 Dresses. But I didn't see any before that. And I don't know if that's just the line or whatever, but I wanted to get your take as a librarian of what you've seen and how you've seen changes. So the earliest, like, popular trans novel that I know of and that is studied in, you know, library school is called Luna. And that was published in 2004. Hmm. And it was fairly progressive for the time, but it's actually known as a fairly big stereotype these days because the main character is actually the cis sister of the transgender character. And it very much centers the cis person coming to terms with her sibling becoming a trans girl and all of her prejudices. Like I said, it was progressive for the time, but now it's not anything I would hand a trans teen. Mm-hmm. Um, and these days it has definitely gotten like, there are more novels produced. Like we don't have just the one and there are more gender variants that are represented. It's not just trans girls. We are getting trans boys. We're getting Demi boys, we're getting gender queer people, we're getting there's even a non-binary novel that's realistic fiction. And there's definitely becoming more and more, and it's centering the trans characters as main characters. And it's not just telling coming out or transitioning stories. First of all, was that book that you mentioned written by a trans author? No. Mm-hmm. So this was just one of the early takes of trying to just get a story out there about a trans character written from the perspective of somebody who was not. Yeah. And that's also another big thing. Uh, Thank you for pointing that out is that we're getting 
actual trans authors telling their stories, which is wonderful. I'm very excited that some of them are here today. I love that we get to tell our stories these days. It's very nice and it feels more authentic when I read them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, you know, cis authors can't write trans characters. It's just sometimes it's nice to have your own people tell the story from our perspective. Oh, absolutely. I want to play a clip of uh, transgender teen activist Jazz Jennings reading from her book, I Am Jazz, because it illustrates a point that you were making about originally all the books were either from a, a cisgender perspective or more about I'm coming out. My best friends are Samantha and Casey. We always have fun together. We like high heels and princess gowns or cartwheels and trampolines. But I'm not exactly like Samantha and Casey. I have a girl brain, but a boy body. This is called transgender. I was born this way. So that was published in 2014. And I'm finding in just my quick research that it seems like 2014, things started to really explode in this genre. Anyway, I I just was interested in the fact that at that point, jazz had to really speak about very plainly about, okay, here, this is what's happening to me. But at least it's from her perspective. And you know, that's the choice that she made. So you do have that as a development in the literature. Um, Absolutely. And you can even hear some development in the way that she describes herself as having a girl brain and a boy body. A lot of times that's, you know, kind of frowned on now. Like, it's not a boy body. She's a girl. She has a girl body. She just has parts that people would describe as being traditionally male or having been assigned male at birth. The language has evolved and acknowledging that like trans people are who they are despite any other society putting labels on what their body should or should not look like is evolving. Mm -hmm. And I think that's in the literature too. Even in biographies of trans people, I think that's evolving. And I appreciate that as someone who doesn't actually want to medically transition, but would like to be acknowledged as who I am. All right, I'm moving over to you, Kyle Lukoff, because you started off trying to write some other things and then, you know, turned back to do this and couldn't get anybody to bite at first on your book when Aiden became a brother. Talk about the process of coming to writing the book and then trying to get it published. Sure. So when I started writing children's books, I first actually tried to write a young adult novel about a trans boy, and I wasn't able to find any editors or agents who wanted to help me publish that book. And going back and reading it, it turns out they were right. It wasn't very good. And at that time in, I believe that was 2015, I decided to give up on novels and see if I could publish this weird little picture book idea that I'd had for a long time about collective nouns. And that one was easy enough to place with a publisher, and it came out in 2018. And I had had a couple of my librarian colleagues ask me if I knew of any picture books around trans boys, especially any that were by trans masculine authors. And I knew of one or two that were self-published or indie published, but I didn't know of any that were coming out from more mainstream publishing houses. And I thought, you know, I should, I should try to do this. You know, I know how to write picture books. I'm familiar with that age group because I'd been working as an elementary school librarian by that point, but I couldn't think of a way to tell a trans child's story in a way that didn't just sort of retell the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Like once upon a time, there was a character who was different 
and everyone was mean to them, and then something happened to make everyone nice to them. That's the sort of narrative that we see all the time. And I don't know if that's like a good or bad narrative. I just am bored with it by now. Mm. But then I had a brainstorm one morning where I envisioned a young trans boy saying to the reader, this is what my room looked like when I was born, and this is what my room looks like now. And that image of a young trans person telling the reader how he changed the world around him instead of how the world was reacting to him became such a compelling image in my mind that I couldn't let go of it. And that story eventually turned into When Aiden Became a Brother, which was published by Lee and Lowe in 2019. But in between writing it and publishing it, a lot of baffling rejections. I had one editor tell me that I should team up with a talented writer if I wanted to tell a story. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I printed out that email. I should get it framed someday. It was amazing. Um, I had one person tell me that I would never publish a story about a trans child during the Trump administration. So much feedback from so many angles telling me to give up. And I knew that I had something special and I didn't give up and it won the Stonewall in 2020. And I was able to use that to help me publish more books about trans kids, including the Call Me Max series, including a book called If You're a Kid Like Gavin, which comes out in July, which I co-wrote with a young trans activist named Gavin Grimm and my two middle grade novels. That is um, really some involvement from what we were talking about um, was out in the market before, well-intentioned though it may be. I want to give our listeners a chance to hear you reading Kyle Lukoff from the book When Aiden Became a Brother. But Aiden didn't feel like any kind of girl. He was really another kind of boy. It was hard to tell his parents what he knew about himself, but it was even harder not to. It took everyone some time to adjust, and they learned a lot from other families with transgender kids like him. Now, people just rave about this book, by the way. This is like a, you know, the book that most librarians will recommend if parents or others are specifically looking for a book that features a trans character. So you should be proud of that. Something that I've heard over and over, which I know you think is interesting, is that Aiden is trans. That's a part of his life, but it but there, it's not a necessarily a coming out story or they don't feel like you're, you know, you're beating him on the head with it. He's just being himself. And I know you think that's a little bit odd. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so I get, I get some really interesting feedback on this book. And one thing that people love to tell me is that they love that it's not a story that is, quote, about him being trans. And that always feels confusing to me. Because when I read the book, I notice that almost every line of dialogue is somehow related to Aiden's trans history or identity. And every, almost every single page references him being trans in one way or another. I think that there might be two pages that don't acknowledge it. Um, and so the story is very much about him being trans. But I, what, I think what people are noticing is that the problem in the story is not that he is trans. His trans identity is not the thing that every character has to deal with in order for the story to move forward. His trans identity is what is animating the story and what is driving the story forward. And without his trans identity, the story would not make sense. But I think people are so accustomed to seeing trans identities posited as a problem to be solved 
that any story where that is not the case must not be about them being trans in the first place. I will say, Vanessa Ford, I'm turning to you. You and your husband, uh, J.R., co-authored your book, Calvin. And I know you couldn't agree more because one of the things that I heard you laughing about when Kyle said he was bored with that, we're so good and now we've learned a lesson uh, story, you you wanted to get way far away from that. So tell us about Calvin and and why that really resonated with you, what Kyle said about that, that kind of a trope of object lessons for kids. Yeah, absolutely. And both my husband and I are huge fans of Kyle's work. We have When Aiden Became a Brother. It was an important book for us. And interestingly, we started writing Calvin in early 2018. So we were looking at stories for trans kids and the stories that were out there really spoke to what Kyle was saying, that there was a problem, that people had to get used to it, that there was bullying. And we wanted to write a story about a child's transition and coming out that was all about acceptance, love, and support. And we don't have uh, one of the things when we were writing it is like, where's the conflict? A picture book needs a conflict. And where we really settled was just the internal thoughts about going back to school and being what felt like the only one in, in his class. And that was the conflict in the book. The people around Calvin, his parents, his grandparents, his principal, his teachers and his community all fully support him and welcome him with open arms. And we really wanted to put out a story that just showed the beauty in trans kids when they're fully supported and have the ability to thrive. Now, this story comes is inspired, as we said, in part by your own child, but then you went further in coming to, to determine how you would shape Calvin's character. Absolutely. So we're really lucky that we're part of communities of many families with trans kids. And we've been on this journey since about 2015 with our child. Um, Ellie uses they, them pronouns and transitioned in 2015 to live as their true self. And in that time, we got to know so many others. And when we went to go sit and write this book, we were looking to see what was missing from the market. And at the time, when Aiden became a brother wasn't out yet, if only we had known. Mm. <laughs> um, and we really wanted to find a character who was not only a child of color, but was a trans boy. The reason at the time where we weren't thinking about a non-binary character, which is something we've now in retrospect really looked at, is because at the time we didn't didn't know our child identified in that way and weren't familiar in, in that way with that transition. Uh, but we are happy with how Calvin has come about and really excited that he's able to show the world just the joy in being a trans kid. Mm. There's so much joy. And they told you, expressed to you, the feeling at four. Yes. I just want to emphasize that so people understand yes. this you know, can happen early. Absolutely. So our our youngest child, Ellie, told us on their fourth birthday, mom, I'm not a boy. I'm a girl in my heart and my brain. And that those words have made it into Calvin, um, but in a little bit of a different form. And Ellie chose their name from a lovey that they had at home that felt really connected to them. And so does Calvin. 
we have points in this book that are directly related to our child's experience, but not about our child. And Ellie has been part of this book process throughout. We have these amazing people in our lives where we would read the text to them throughout the years that we were writing it to make sure that we were getting it as right as possible as cis parents can get about a trans child's experience. And um, how important do you think it is uh, for people to know that you and your husband are cisgender? I think it is important because ultimately what Kyle and Katie were both saying is so true. We want representation from trans voices, but neither one of us are trans individuals. However, we have experience raising a young transgender child and Calvin is for a very young age group. It's from four to eight year olds. And so we really had to balance the good that we thought the story would do with potentially taking up space from trans voices. And we hope that we've balanced that well. What I think is interesting is that often children's books have an adult audience, Kyle, and I understand that, you know, you're aware of that and sometimes put stuff in there that's directed at the adults that'll likely be reading the books. Yeah, for sure. So I was an elementary school librarian for eight years, so I'm very familiar with how picture books are a shared experience typically between an adult reader and a child audience. And I also knew that this book would be read by a lot of parents of trans children who are also looking for themselves for representation. So that's why I I put so many different moments in this book speaking directly to parents. So like there's a moment towards the end where Aiden is coming up with a name for his new sibling. And he says, it says, he remembered that it, Aiden remembered that it had been hard for his parents to let go of the name they gave him. And that is me saying to parents, yeah, it is going to be hard or it can be hard or you might feel like this is hard and that's okay. Like we see that Aiden's parents are doing the best that they can and that they love their child and that they have some awareness of what they're doing. And also they were having an emotional response where it was hard for them. And there's little moments like that peppered throughout the book where I'm saying to parents, this is how you might be feeling. And this is how these parents are feeling. And they're still able to meet their child with love and support, regardless of their own emotional journey. Do you all feel that this is, particularly at this time, we mentioned in passing, it's quite a fraught time. There's been, you know, a number of very unpleasant, ugly kind of incidents that have happened with young people who are trans or who are trying to figure out, you know, where they are. Some of it has gotten as far as legislation. And I wonder if you can put the importance of these books at this time, can really speak to that. I'll start with you, Vanessa. I think you're spot on with over 150 legislative bills nationally in states across the country targeting trans kids. Stories that represent the resilience, the beauty, the joy, and how trans kids can thrive, I think are especially critical right now. Katie, how would you add to that? So uh, it, it's it's definitely become more public the the trans struggle and the struggle of kids especially who are gender nonconforming, and I think books like this will give them not only a story to cling to, but in general will show them that there are adults out there that get it. While publicly there are you know politicians and other adults who will decry them and call them bad, there are. Adults like us that say, hey, 
no, we get it. Like we see you, your stories are fine and good and they deserve to be told and you deserve to exist in this world. And I think that's very important. Kyle. So it is not currently legal to just wholesale murder trans adults, but I think that these bills are trying to prevent trans adults from existing by targeting children who will become trans adults. And I think that art has always been a way to push back against the forces that might call for a community's social death. I'd love a story about, you know, parents or kids themselves finding these books for the first time and and their response. I mean, I know for myself, when I stumbled across African-American history very early on and how important that was to me. Uh, So I wonder if you've been able to witness that. Katie? Oh, a lot. It's sort of amazing. I had two moms bring in their child and, you know, they came up to me and they said, this is our child. Z uses Z and Zer pronouns. We're trying to support our child, but we can't find any books that even come close to what we're dealing with. The kid was about eight, but I was able to find some middle grade and some younger YA that had, you know, trans kids. There were picture books. There aren't many that use neo-pronouns, but there were some that just spoke directly to the kid's perspective. And I could see not only that the, the kid opened up, the parents were the ones that started doing the speaking first, but as I found more and more books, the kiddo opened up and started talking to me and asking questions and was excited that I was wearing a they, them pronoun pin. And it went from a very sullen, closed off child to someone who was happily engaging in libraries and choosing books for themselves. And that was just very moving to me. And I've also had a couple kids from a group home, uh, teenagers from a group home that came in and said, we don't think there's books about us. We've looked in your catalog and we can't find anything. And I said, okay, well, what books are you looking for? And it was very specifically trans books about, you know, trans boys and trans girls, not about where the, like Kyle said, where the issue, the main conflict isn't that they're trans. It's just, they are a trans character in a book. In the library world, we call the thing that when your identity is centered, it's an issues novel. They were looking for something that's not an issues novel. Uh, And I was able to find it. There's not a ton still, but there were books and they were excited. They were so happy. And one of them started crying. Like just to be able to see yourself like that is huge. And I think it's sort of awesome. I think It gives me hope and it also, I feel, gives me sort of, I get to have a teenagehood vicariously through them that is more authentic that I was unable to have. Kyle, the importance of these books at this time for young people and for uh, folks who are looking or trying to find them in this moment. It's hard to say that books are more important now because I'm trying to imagine what the world might have looked like if we had had trans artists flourishing and creating for as long as trans people have 
existed, which is to say forever. Um, I wonder what the world would look like now if there had been books about trans kids in America in the 1980s and the 1950s and the 1890s, because we've been around that whole time. And it feels like a crime that we're only sort of discovering this. Well, it's not even true that we're discovering this now because we've always known that we've existed. And also trans identity is a, you know, complex thread that runs throughout all of humanity that manifests in different ways in different times and places. So I guess it would be cool if literature reflected the world as it is and not the world as groups in power want it to be. These parents and children have models for what we need to do in, in order to create the future that we all want to live in. This is what humanity needs. Vanessa? One of the things that we found with Calvin as we've gotten some close friends and family, the book, is that the children have really seen themselves in the story. And I know that Kyle was alluding to that as well. And I don't think it's lost on me that there are trans kids in every facet of our country, whether they're in a supportive state or not. And I think one of the amazing things about a book getting out into the world is the reach that it can have so that a child who may not have the support that another child may have in another place can see themselves, can see what's possible, and can help advocate for what they deserve. All right. I thank you all for joining me for this very important conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you from me as well. Kyle Lukoff is a Stonewall-winning author of When Aiden Became a Brother and a 2021 National Book Award finalist for the novel Too Bright to See. Vanessa Ford is co-author of Calvin, a children's book centered around a transgender boy, inspired in part by her child. Vanessa is also a nationally known transgender youth advocate. Katie Kanya is head of teen services at Robbins Library in Arlington, Massachusetts. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. We're on the web at wgbh.org, news, Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, and available for download wherever you get your podcasts. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Hannah Ubeli and engineered by Dave Goodman. Sarah Kaplan is our intern. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. See you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>